You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Get all the latest football headlines and bite-sized opinion in the brand new Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Join Mark Smith, Martin Gritton and a conveyor belt of guests as they dissect all the biggest stories in one small, perfectly formed package. Take five to ten minutes out of your day to stay up to date with everything that matters in football. Whether it's a big result from the night before, a new excuse from Jurgen Klopp, a shocker of a VAR decision or a new chapter in the ongoing Man United soap opera, we will cover it. All the latest news, every weekday lunchtime on the Whistleblowers Daily Podcast. Look for The Whistleblowers wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Whelans and with me this week, a great friend of the podcast, a writer, broadcaster and, and uh, owner and proprietor of a podcast of his own about West Ham. Yes. Uh, uh, Irons is your podcast. It's Sam Delaney. Hello, Phil. Hello, Hello everyone. How are you? I'm I'm very well, thanks. Very good. Uh, two wins since we last did one of these podcasts. We've won twice: one against Anderlecht away in Belgium, and one at the weekend against uh, Fulham. So all very satisfactory. Um, uh, were you at Fulham, Sam? I was. I was. Yeah. Um, it was very. It's very. You know, it's it, Jimmy Greaves. God rest his soul. Was right when he said, "It's a funny old game." It is a funny old game. Because uh, yes. the way in which things have turned around, I'll, I'll be honest, um, I try to be a positive West Ham fan most of mm-hmm. the time. I'm, you know, uh, as I as I think of you as definitely as well. Oh, yeah. There's a, We're a dying breed, right? Yes. yes. Um, but even I, after the defeat to Everton, was getting a bit like, oh, I almost had the dread phrase, on the tip of my tongue, he may have taken us as far as he can. Oh. Which is obviously the sort of thing Spurs fans say about managers like after one defeat. And I don't want to be that guy. And I didn't Oh, they say, say it that. after a goal has gone in. Yeah, they do. Uh, uh, I, quite often they say it when they lose the coin toss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, quite. Yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, they apparently my brother has said me they are there is a large contingency of people saying that about Conte, or at least yeah. they were after the defeat to Arsenal. Um 
I'm well, like Conte, Conte was like the perfect manager for Spurs in the when he first took over last season, they might have like not done very well in two games. And he himself said, I might not be the manager to take this club <laughs> <Yeah>. forward. <laughs> You're the perfect Spurs. You are made yeah. to be a Spurs manager. I think I've taken them as far as I can. Yeah, yeah. After about two games, yeah. Well, it might not be. I might not be very good. That might be the problem. I like Conte because he's, yeah. you know, he is proper mad. And now yeah. we need, um, you know, you want a pre- the Premier League's at its best when it is crammed full of insane managers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, really like that for me more than the football. Sometimes is the real appeal. Yeah. Whenever I start to watch match today, which I never do anymore. But when I did, the appeal of it for me was always just getting to see the managers be insane after yes, the match. Yes, yes. But there was a golden age when Martin O'Neill was still going. Yep. And Steve Bruce. And then Mourinho was in his prime of yeah, madness, yeah. you know. And it was just great, wasn't it? So many nutters. Yeah. Ferguson, nutter. Wenger, yep. nutter. Like, but all different sort of flavours of madness. Yes. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about the uh, the new emerging, uh, the new emerging, the young bucks of man, mad manager. Doing. Yeah. Because yeah, we've, yeah. got, we've got a very mad uh, Nigel Pearson at Leicester. Oh, yeah. He sort of started you, fights. You could argue him. that he's almost... The classic of the genre. Yeah. Like yeah. there's never been a do you remember when he went, Are you an ostrich? Yeah. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. Are you an yeah. ostrich? Yeah. He yeah. might be the best. He's a, um, but then of course, sort of recent ex-players, because Tim Sherwood had mm. a quite a big strain of madness in him when he yeah, managed, Well, uh, he started wearing that gile, which was the yes. first sign, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. That something yeah. might be up. Uh, that Scott was the first Parker, sign at which you do the old, you know, the Gary Lineker. Have a yeah, word. yeah. Have a word with him. Yeah, yeah. When he came out in the gilet, that was a have a word with him moment, wasn't it? Scotty Parker is a bit mad. Is he? I haven't noticed this. Has he gone mad? I mean, management does it to all of them. Yeah. Well, when they when they went down um, Fulham, uh, he was a bit mad towards the end of that season. He sort mm. of went, he was a bit mad then. Um, I tell yeah. you a, a madness, a, a relegation freak out that I quite enjoyed. I'm ashamed to say, you know, as you know, I'm a big advocate for mental health causes. But at the yes. same time, here I am, like, reveling in the mental collapse of high-profile sports managers. <laughs> yes, yes. Right? So yeah, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say there's some hypocrisy here. But, you know, it's all good knockabout fun. And, um, uh, and really, it's, you know, you can see it's very tough for anyone. But yeah, when, Ad- yeah. when Sam Allardyce, Sam Allardyce sort of, always prided himself on keeping his cool in a crisis. So Mm. even when he was stitched up by the press out of that England job, which I have to say was an absolute travesty of our time, really. Not that I necessarily think he would be the best England manager ever, but I just think poor old Sam Allardyce. Do you know what I mean? Like he was trying, Mm. he he had his dream job, right? He finally got it and he hadn't had a chance to really make his mark or even begin to yet. And then they do a video of him drinking wine out of a vase. And suddenly (laughs) he's not allowed to manage England anymore. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, And and I feel really bad for him. But he always prided himself on never losing his shit and sort of, you know, Big Sam, I'm tougher and bigger and better than everyone else. And one of his favourite things was he'd never been relegated. But then he did get relegated at West Brom as a result of defeat to West Ham, a team who, let's be honest, had gone out of his way to make snide remarks about both when he was our manager and then slightly yeah. after he was our manager. Yeah, yeah. And he had a meltdown live on TV 
in the post-match interview. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah you're all happy now, aren't you? Oh, <laughs> yeah. you're loving this. Yeah. And you'll all say this about me now. Oh, this is your dream country. Well, forget it. I'll never come back. Not ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was wonderful, wonderful meltdown. Talking, talking of meltdowns, he's not mad, but Marco Silva was uh, jumping around on the touchline quite a lot in that Fulham game, uh, on, yeah, and I... he was very unhappy, and he got booked, didn't he? But I love to see a manager booked, which is part yeah. of this whole discussion. When a manager loses call so much that he gets booked, I am like clapping like someone's scored yeah. a goal. Even Moise, if it's my own manager. When Moyes got booked against... One of my proudest moments as a West Ham fan, perversely, was our ignominious defeat to Eintracht Frankfurt in yeah. the Europa League. Because the way in which West Ham responded to it was absolutely superb, right? Yeah. yeah First yeah. of all, our manager volleyed the ball uh, a ball at the head of a German ball boy, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. Then, um, then our captain loudly accused yeah. the referee of having taken a bone. Ref, right? ref, corrupt, corrupt. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, our striker, Antonio, I think, yeah, he said to a German fan who was gloating in his face, how much money do you earn? Which yeah. I thought okay. was great. Yeah. And then on top of that, Kufau said in a post-match interview straight after the game, were you worried by the pitch invaders? And he said, it's no problem for me if they invade the pitch. If they do anything, it's going to be a big problem for them. Yeah, brilliant. And then just as the icing on the cake, when when David Moyes was asked about booting a football at a child, he just said, well, it's set up just right. It would have been rude not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it I was, just think, if you're yeah. going to get knocked out of Europe, Get knocked out like that's the West Ham way, right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, all of us collectively lost our fucking shit. Yes. Right? Yes. We're not going to go out nicely. Right. We're not going to no. go down smiling. We're going to go out ugly. And yeah. I thought David Moyes really led from the front there. And yeah, he totally had a meltdown. He went mental. He got sent off. And yeah. I yeah. applauded him for it. That's yep. the sort of passion I like to see. Me too. I loved it. Um, yeah. I really liked the. I was at the five-one uh, defeat by Leeds United when we were, mm. when Leeds were last in the top flight of football about yeah. nineteen ninety-nine something like right. that because Wrighty yeah. was in the team, wasn't he? And okay. Wrighty smashed the uh, referee's dressing room up uh, <laughs> after the game, which I thought was excellent. We had three players sent off. I think we had yeah. three players sent off, and we were talking about that thing that a game's um, uh, uh, said to be void if mm. you get down to like seven players or something yeah. like that. So we should have so gone we, for that. Yeah, so we should have, you know, shooting the moon in um, cards, isn't it? Mm. Uh, should have done that and had more players send off, but that was very good. Uh, in fact, the last sending off, which might have been Sinclair, that did seem to be out of just sheer fury at the fact that we were having players sent off. I'll yeah. get sent off as well because I'm so cross. Talking of sendings off, yeah, I mean, basically, let's just let it be known in case it's not clear already. We love lo when, when our team lose badly. Yeah. yeah in a yeah. bad way. I hate to see teams lose and then I hate to see my own team lose and then shake hands and go for a drink afterwards. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that. I yeah. want to see us. I want to see every defeat reacted to. In For me, the Eintracht Frankfurt defeat was the template. Yeah. And that, if I was Moisey, I would have said, that's what I want to see next season. Anytime we lose, heaven forbid, that's yeah. the kind of attitude I want to see. 
When England uh, had that game against Argentina in the 1966 World Cup and the Argies were, you know, really filthy (laughs) and Sir Ralph Ramsey ran on the pitch (laughs) and stopped them swapping shirts and was snatching England shirts back off Argentina. Sir Ralph Ramsey is a proper little Englander, wasn't he, though? Yeah. He was like, ah, bloody foreign scum. He called them animals. Bloody animals. Bloody animals. Yeah. It's the Latin temperament, you see. They can't yeah, control yeah. themselves. They've got fire in their blood. That's right. Um, they, and uh, great. They're certainly not taking one of our shirts on the plane back to Argentina with them. They'll be ah. stuffed at the airport. It'll be taken <laughs> away from them. <laughs> Argentina. The will be commandeered and taken brought back to Gatwick Airport, and the we, shirts returned. We should all behave more like Argentinians. Like they, one of them got sent off, and he just he he um sort of insolently took the uh, flag off of the corner stick. And just like dropped it. That's <laughs> a funny, funny sort of provocative thing to do, especially to, and you're trying to provoke a man like Alf Ramsey, who would be yeah. easily provoked by that kind of thing. He sort of wouldn't go, would he? Either the Argentinian player, nah. he just stayed in the centre <laughs> seat. I'm not going to go. No, I'm not yeah. going. Not going to go. No, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. You make me ref, little referee man. Don't make me leave the bitch. Yeah, I stage my right to be here on the beach. You know, look at you, you're a little man. You're yeah. like a little fucking monkey man in your stupid black outfit. Look at you. Put your silly card away. My father has killed a man. His father killed a man. I will kill a man. When they kill the man, they bring the blood home for the child to drink. I am that child. I drink the blood of two dead men. I have yes. taste for it. <laughs> so it was... um. It was um, it was a funny game, funny old game, as Greavesy would say. Because we we, I thought on on Saturday, Sunday, every time we scored a goal, it seemed to embolden Fulham and make us retreat slightly into our shell. Uh, mm. I think these I think these games are, you know, going to be a bit less and less like that. But they are still quite nervy, aren't they? There's, the wind, the wins are nervy because we really fucking need them. We need them, know. but there's three wins in a week. Yeah. And each game, there was an incremental improvement. Yeah, definitely. And we yeah. are still nowhere near our best. Uh, uh, and by our best, I mean probably the way we were playing about a year ago. It's been a long yeah. time since we've been anywhere near our best. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, but this team has the potential to be even better than the team from a year ago when we you know, beat Liverpool at our place. Yeah. That, that kind of sequence of games where it really looked like we were going to Make a real fist of going for the top four at one point, and 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 then a year before that, or six months before that, when Lingard was there, there was a period where we were, where we were really kind of in our pomp. This yeah. team now is showing signs that it could be significantly better than either of those teams, but we have to yes. wait and see. At the moment, look, we've certainly got better players. I think that much is undeniable. There is a there, is, you know, in Kera, Skamaka, and Paqueta. At the very yeah. least, you've got three players who are way superior to what was there before. Like, yes, not yes. just one notch up, several notches up from yeah. what we had. And yeah. once, and and there are signs now that they're starting to all click, and uh, that so that's really exciting. But yeah, certainly against Fulham, where there was still, you know, it's a game that certainly could have gone either way. I mean, Fulham. Yeah. After they went one nil up, had at least two other very good chances. They did, yeah, and, yeah. And so it could have gone either way. It was not well. Um, Dan James, the that ex Manchester United player, hit the crossbar, didn't he? With a, mm. a very good shot that you know was quite close after that first goal. And, and I think um, what's his name, the bloke who 
who scored. Pereira. He had a free kick not long after that from a similar angle. Yes, yes. Out there on their on their left, our right, yeah. and it and it and it was sort of punched away. Yeah, by, Fab, by Fabianski. So at that point, yeah, Pereira was tearing us apart. Yeah, easily my favourite part of the game more than any of the goals was Pereira's giving away that penalty. Wonderful. I mean, wonderful. What, what, a, what a wonderful performance by him! First, he came out on the pitch and for ten minutes he looked sort of world class. He was absolutely mm. ripping us a new one. He was, right? he, yeah. Got a great goal and he was taking the piss. And I'm looking at him thinking, why did United let him go? He's better than any of United's players. And why didn't mm. we sign him? He's, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, he's better than Paqueta. We should have got him. He was cheaper, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he does that for 10 minutes. Then he goes a bit quiet. And then he just does the most strange, like, yeah. mad sending off I've seen in many years. <sighs> It was good. It was it, not sending I mean, off. Sorry, penalty. Yeah, yeah. But it was very. Off. It was sort of very pleasing because the referee sort of, um, you know, stuck to his guns in a in a mm. you know in a way that like sort of rugby referees are good. They they mm. go, I'm warning you. I'm warning you again. And then, you know, the inevitable to everyone in the stadium happens. But for some reason, nobody else, including Marco Silva or anyone sort of from Southwest London, could believe it when he, because he said, I'm going to take out a red card in a minute. If you, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm going to award a penalty in a minute if you keep doing that. So guy did it again, did he? And finally, he did what he said he was going to do, uh, which is really good. It's like, it's very good when they kind of stick to their guns. And I like it. That Pereira stuck to his guns as well. Yeah. Because yeah. Pereira wrestled Dawson and the ref said, Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said, I'm not, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. And so then the game he started, he did it a second time. And yes, he said, Why yes. have you done that again? He goes, Because I do not recognize <laughs> yeah, yeah. the rule you are trying to impose upon me. Like an Argentinian footballer in 1966. Yeah. Going, like, uh, I, I, I played by my own rules. Yeah. What we've got here is a disagreement about the philosophy of your yeah. rule structure and your whole approach to life in the 21st century. Who are you? I fundamentally. To, who are you to say what is wrong and what is right? Yeah. You're not yeah, God. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so they go, well, okay, I I appreciate that, but this is a complex kind of discussion, philosophical discussion we're getting into. All I can tell you is I'm in charge of this game, so if you do it a third time, I will give a penalty. And he said, well, prepare to give a penalty in that case. Yes. Get get your finger ready to point at that spot because I'm about to do it again. Watch. Yeah, yeah. And then sure enough, he did it. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I've done it Um, again. And if anything, the third time it was worse. Yes. <laughs> Just to yeah, make it more exactly. explicit. Yeah. It reminds me, not... you know, Canton, I got sent off in France once and he goes, <clears throat> he's, he's fat. He's fucking in a bad mood. He's fouled. Like he's fouling, kicking players, lashing out, responding badly. And the ref says to him, gives him a yellow and says, Eric, Eric, calm down. Why do you do this? You're a great player. And you don't need to react like this. You need to calm down. We don't want the game to go this way. And Cantona looked the ref in the eye and said, prepare the red. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, literally, the game restarted. And moments later, he flew into another tackle. And the the ref brandished the the, the red. And Cantona, according to the ref, looked at him as if the victory was his. Like, see, I told you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, the fundamental. Yeah, the sort of fundamental. Uh, it's like a. It's like the football match 
becomes a kind of metaphor for two different philosophies. Yeah. The philosophy of Fulham Football Club and the philosophy of West Ham Football Club. The yeah. winning philosophy wins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So well, that was um, we just can't play by your by your rules. It's not yes. the way it, it would be lovely if the world did work the Fulham way, but it doesn't. It works our way. Yeah, so exactly. Grow up is what I, my message is to Marco Silva, Pereira, and everyone involved with Fulham yeah. Football Club. Grow the up. The world won't fall into line based no. on your worldview. Exactly. When that Fulham player went over to try and put Bowen off, he was saying, uh, it's not a penalty, you know. This isn't a None of this is happening. You're yeah. not about to kick that ball into the net. You are, but that's not what's going to happen. The ball won't be in the net because you won't kick it in the net. How do you know you're not just in someone else's dream? Like That's what he said to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Bowen went, "Well, I don't know all about that. I'm yeah. more, I'm more of a steak and bake spud man myself." <laughs> yeah, but- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like Plato's the cave is as yeah. Plato's the cave is a sort of symbolic thing about kind of illusion versus reality, isn't it? Mm. And uh, it, that was like that. There'll be philosophy books will be talking about. The, uh, the West Ham penalty, the Sunday, October the 9th West Ham penalty as yeah. a kind of, uh, as a sort of Schrodinger's cat. Is it a penalty <laughs> or is it a concept? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. don't you think, like, I don't think, to be fair to Jared Bowen, I don't think he's the sort of lad who you could put off with challenging <laughs> philosophical propositions. No, no, no. Yeah, he's too much of a professional. Yeah, yeah, he? yeah. You're not going to get under his skin that way. There were players you could... Yeah, but not not Jared, not Jared. He's he's not going to listen. He's going to block that kind of noise out. Yeah, that's right. Um, when we had that uh, cup game against Manchester City, where we won on penalties and we stuck five penalties away, we yeah. stuck the first four away, and I think the last one went to <clears throat> Saeed Ben Rama, mm. who, with his slightly poetic eyes, yes, stuff. I thought he might miss this. I thought he's going to miss this. He yeah. will go into a kind of existential funk, going, "Who am yeah. I to oh. take this penalty kick? Why me? Who who should take this penalty kick? Who what do I, what have I done to earn this place in this yeah. position in history? Who am I? What am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I? Yeah, am I an abstract concept or am I Saeed Ben Rama? And yeah. actually, he stuck it away really well. He did, As did yeah. Bowen on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he said. Uh, it, it, Bowen, Bowen's penalty was a, a actually a really good, confident penalty, and just yeah. thank fuck because you know it was just awful, wasn't it? The whole yeah, it, it was it was just the whole penalty situation with Declan Rice. I mean, I talked about this on on New Irons this week that like you know, obviously you got to be careful sounding like you're criticising Declan Rice at all. I would yes. never do that, Phil. Not I want everyone to understand that before I say what I say. Right. But I think that watching Declan Rice now that there are, there's a player like Paqueta next to him in midfield makes me sometimes wish that... Yeah, basically, Declan Rice is so good and has been so like comfortably our best player for so long that, I, that he sometimes takes too much upon himself, right? So oh, yeah. he, he's yeah. fantastic at what he does. But there were times in the game where he often, one thing that he'll often do is when it's out on the left and Cresswell's got it or Fornells has got it, you know neither of them fancy taking a fullback on. They won't. No, no, no. So they will look up and Rice will invariably come across and make himself available and they will play that 
short pass back to him. Yeah. And then Rice looks up and the, the attack is still, we're, we're in possession. We're comfortable. We're in there. For, we're in the final third, right? We've got, um, we have to be patient and pass the ball around and wait for them to make a mistake. That's how Premier League football works yeah. when you're playing at home against a defensive team. Rice, far too often from that position, looks up and thinks, I'm going to ping a crossing. Yeah. And, and to you know, and this, I suppose it's a criticism, but it's not really because I don't think it's an essential part of his game. To be honest, he's just not that good at doing that. He, no, no, know, no. How, how, how many assists does Rice get a season? Not many. Yeah. Not He doesn't get many goals. He doesn't get many assists. I don't think that matters. I think Claude Makaleli, who's arguably one of the best, if not the best, a player in that position at yeah. modern times, right? Yeah. He wasn't worrying about his assists and goals, right? No, 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 no. The no. problem is, is that everyone talks about Declan Rice, you know, is he world class? Is he worth 150 million quid? And this debate goes on and on and and how good's he going to be? And is he going to be... In this... And, you know, that must get to him. And he starts to think, he starts to play like he's Steven Gerrard, right? So Steven yeah. Gerrard was a, a bit of a one-off in that he had that physicality that Rice has got. He could get all over the pitch and defend. He actually started as a central defensive midfielder like Rice. Yeah. But then he started to make those rampaging runs, which Rice does do very well. But not many of them result in assists. No, no. They they're often great. run they're, a bit out of steam, they're, don't they're they? They're great they're, to they're, watch. Yeah. The only yeah. time I can I can remember, there's three occasions I can remember them working. Once was against Zagreb, where he scored a solo goal. Yes. Once was against Kidderminster Harriers, where he just had to take it upon <laughs> yeah, himself yeah. to like yeah. basically run past them and win the game on his own. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we were and, so rubbish. And once was against Palace, where he did it, and then he played a square ball to Lanzini, which actually wasn't a very good pass. But Lanzini then juggled the ball and scored a, yeah. a great yeah. goal. And if you look at those, two of those goals were against, I would say, second-rate opposition, third-rate yeah. in Kidderminster's. In Kidderminster. So the only one that came against the proper team was against Palace. And even that, it was like Lanzini had to take that pass and do something truly magical to make it look like a good pass. Yeah, yeah. So I think that when we lacked a little bit of creativity at times in the absence of Lingard, and we were kind of relying on, a lot of the time, Lanzini in that like creative role. And yeah, Lanzini's fine and all that, but he's not yeah. really up to being a top class number 10 anymore. No, no, no. Uh, you know, Declan Rice started doing that, but against against um, Fulham, I just thought, Deck, stop trying to play Hollywood balls. You don't need to be that guy. You don't need to be Steven Gerrard. You can just be Declan Rice. You're yeah, brilliant. Yeah, you are the absolutely. best midfielder in the league. But wouldn't it be like that, that midfield, if everyone's stuck to their roles, now that Suchek's yeah. in a little bit, it's pretty much the most balanced midfield in the Premier League. You yeah. know, if Rice sat there, Right, and just played a, a, an anchor role in front of that defence. You let Paquette do the creative stuff and you let Suchek just run around and you know, get in people's yeah. faces, just be annoying, right? Yeah. Then that's a that's a superb midfield. Yes, but yes. I think Rice needs to have more discipline, but I wonder whether Rice is so, you know, he, he's such a big figure at the club because what we've got is a world-class player yeah. at, a, at, a, at a club that is not an elite club. Yeah, and therefore, yeah, yeah. even with a pretty tough guy manager like Moyes, I wonder how much Rice can be contained or controlled. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he, he and Suchek, uh, you know, had a very sort of unique um, sort of partnership, didn't they? Which, funnily enough, was slightly mirrored in Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice for England. Yeah. In that they were both 
slightly jacks of all trades, you know, and I think that that, you know, in a sense that was, um, that can be to the detriment of players kind of international careers, because once you get to international level, they want someone, a sort of bespoke player to fit every single department. I mean, that's sort of why Mark Noble's England chances slowly evaporated over the years, because I think any England manager is going, yeah, but what is he? Is he a defense? What is he a defensive? Yeah. Is yeah. he a yeah. What is he? And I think, um, you know, uh, they were, Rice in a way was very fortunate with England that uh, Calvin Phillips was there because um, I think, you know, there was an awareness that Declan Rice wasn't necessarily like Gareth Barry, a sort of absolutely dedicated screen the back four, never go past the halfway line, you know, uh, type defensive midfielder. Um he, there was a little bit more to his game, but Phillips was like that. They managed to job share very well, I thought. And it was the same with Suchek. But now yeah. Paqueta is more talented and you do want to get him the ball. And, you know, if if they were playing a two uh, rather than a three, you could see it as a kind of Paqueta's the brooking and Rice is the bonds, you know. What I, I actually think as well, which is sort of slightly separate point, is I think eventually Paqueta... I think he's playing increasingly well in the position he's being played in. But I think that Paqueta could play next to Rice. Yeah. Like, you know, I think he's, he obviously, he did play that way for Leon. Yeah. He wasn't a number 10. I think part of it is uh, Moyes thinking, oh, he's Brazilian and a bit yeah. fancy. We'll stick him in number 10 because he can't do much damage there. But you look at him and like, actually, out of possession, he's a serious midfielder. Yes, yes. He's big, he's strong, he won't be bullied, and he's extremely mobile and athletic, right? So he can can get around no problem. And I think that if you watch him how he was at Leon, a lot of the time, you know, now you look at him during the game, and what he does is he's got his back to goal, and he shows for the ball. So when we've got it deep, he's running around trying to find pockets of space, and he's holding his hands out, like, pull it into my feet. Yeah. But... You know, a lot of the other players are a bit cautious about doing that because if you play a ball like that into the middle, there's a chance you could lose position, possession, yeah. and, and then suddenly you're on the defensive. So players are nervous, obviously, about about doing that. And as a result, I think he's not as involved in the game as he potentially could be. If he yeah. was playing instead of Suchek next to Rice, he would be getting the ball deep. It would require Rice to be much more disciplined about always staying back. But I'm yeah. happy with one defensive midfielder when that defensive midfielder is Declan Rice because he's the best there is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Paqueta, who can, he's not he's not going to stand with his hands on his hips. He's not going to be like no. Paolo Di Canio when you're out of possession, <laughs> no, no. right? He will run and he will tackle and he will get the ball back for you. But when you've got the ball, I think he might do a bit more damage with the game in front of him, running, yeah. head up. And play and ping in balls here and there because his passing is absolutely superb. And I agree, yeah. Well, Playing yeah. back to goal, I don't know. It's like I thought he was really good. He imposed himself on the game a lot more uh, yeah. against Fulham than I'd seen oh, yeah. him do. He's so definitely far. going into it, yeah, yeah. But I still think that I'd love to see him in that other position. But I think the chances of Moyes doing that without there having an injury crisis necessitating it, pretty slim. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, we'll carry on with this after this message. Welcome back. Uh, yes, uh, Dan Silver, who was on this podcast last week, uh, he said the same thing. He thought that he should be in a more kind of deep-lying position like he is uh, for Leon. But I think he was 
like you said, kind of hunting for the ball more and making himself available and finding pockets of space at the weekend. Um, and he seemed to be developing quite a relationship with uh, Skamaka, which we saw in the Anderlecht game as oh, well. Yeah. The goal was a result of their their interplay. And um, that's sort of very encouraging, isn't it? I think we've, um, you know, we've, we've, we've been crying out for sort of someone to give slightly better service to our player furthest up the pitch whether that's Antonio or anyone who's played you know Alaire slightly was suffocated of service a little bit I think yeah 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 why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with Royal Caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America you don't just go for a road trip you ATV and zip line through the jungle you don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Again, we we played the Anderlecht. We'll, we'll, we'll return to the uh, Fulham game. But the Anderlecht game was, um, you know, one thing we do seem to be returning to a little bit is, even though it's perhaps not the most, you know, the kind of exciting aspect of a David Moyes West Ham team, but we're sort of, um, we're, we're able to win without playing all that well. <laughs> yeah. Sort of win ugly. And that was a big part of... Uh, those couple of seasons, the sixth and seventh place finishes with Moyes. There were plenty of games we didn't really deserve to. I think we beat Leeds 1-0 twice in the same season and didn't probably didn't really deserve either of those wins, but we got them. They didn't yeah. score against us. We did. We scored one goal, and one goal was enough to win those fixtures. And there were quite a few games. That Fulham game when their player missed the penalty by kick, taking possibly the worst penalty we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Totally yeah, yeah. undeservedly won that game. But yeah. that was a sort of feature of uh, the Moyes-West Ham team. And that's often the case with the teams that go on to win the win the division. It's like Manchester City and Liverpool in those years they won had plenty of games where they just, you know, somehow snuck past the other team without playing all that well. It's just getting into that kind of winning habit. And Well, I think I think that the thing is, there are two things. One is we got into the winning habit um, and you're right, we could have, those games, Fulham could have gone either way, but, and, and Europe has helped us get into the winning habit. Yeah. But the key thing is, is the quality is the the extra added quality it's starting to uh, it's yeah. starting to tell. So you know, against Wolves, shit game. Neither yeah. team were particularly good, but we had Skamaka and Bowen up front. Yeah, right? yeah. And Skamaka scored an absolutely outrageous goal that most people just wouldn't have the capability of doing. Hate yeah. to say it, but Antonio would not have scored a goal like that. No, 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 no. And no. and and Jared Bowen. You know, great persistence, scored a great Jared Bowen goal. He's got that direct yeah, sort of way yeah. of playing. He's always looking for the goal. He's very persistent. And that was that was the difference. It was just yeah. very simple. It's just better players. And yeah. then against Anderlecht, we we were able to bring Paqueta and Skamaka off the bench. Off the bench. Against, yeah. And they and they combined and score a goal. Same against uh Fulham. It's just the quality. It's the yeah. quality that yeah, we've yeah. got. And you know, it was a shame that we've already lost five games because five games is a lot, right? Yeah. It really sets you back. So even if we go on a great run now, 
you know, unless we avoid losing again, to have already lost five, very, very tough. So yeah. it's a shame, and I don't know what the reasons for that for. And like I said at the beginning, I was starting to get pretty worried, and I thought there was something up with the squad. And now, obviously, yeah. I've changed my mind on that. But, like, uh, I, you know, I, I was worried. Anyway, that period we seemed to be coming out of it, and I yeah. think that this team now with the quality, it makes you think, Jesus, we were all moaning about no signings last season. Yeah, and Some people going, it doesn't matter, the team are great anyway, you don't need signings. Well, we did because we've added these players and we would have been in the Champions League last season or maybe the season before or maybe both with just one or two of these players. If we if we had Skamaka, let alone Paqueta, playing yeah. in either of those teams from last two seasons, I think we would have finished, we would have had a very strong chance of finishing fourth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Though, I mean, in a sense, uh, I, mean, I mean, obviously it was a wretched start, uh, notwithstanding some of the bad luck we had, you know, uh, you know things didn't go great at Chelsea, uh, which we, you know, we drew that game and then had our draw taken away from us and just, you know, hitting the woodwork and clearly being the better team against Nottingham Forest, but somehow contriving to, to lose it. But it was always going to be, um, you know, a, a, a question of what, another season was going to be like after a sixth place finish and a seventh place finish and qualifying for a European competition twice after being relegation threatened, you know, the previous season. So, you know, we we had to sort of have ourselves mentally prepared for a season where we might finish mid-table and not qualify for Europe. You know, I mean, when there was a lot of sort of naysaying directed at Moyes, you know, I was sort of reminded that his Everton were the team that, given, you know, the similar nature of the finances of clubs, they were the team we wanted to be, finishing, you know, on the on the fringes of Europe or sometimes even in Europe in those 10 seasons. Yeah. Plus, also having rocky times, in which yeah, I'm yeah. sure there are a lot of Everton fans going, he's taken the club as far as he can, Moyes out, Moyes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, no, I think there was Everton fans who actually... I spoke to you on Twitter around that time a couple of weeks ago when people were starting to get very nervy. And not all of them are completely positive about him, but they did all make the observation that he often, you know, followed a good season with a bad one. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes, yeah. you know, it's rare for managers to have longevity. When they do, yeah. like he did at Everton, you're going to have ups and downs because you always have to have a rebuild season. You have Absolutely. a team. Yeah. And that's what this effectively is. It's a massive rebuild. It's a rebuild that... We may never see again a rebuild yeah. of this size. I mean, yeah, yeah. I certainly can't remember that many players coming into a squad, especially potential first-team players. Pretty much everyone we we um, signed is either immediate first-team or will eventually, their, yeah. their earmarked to not be back-up, but to eventually be first-team. They'll I would get say. game time, yeah. Even and, Emerson's getting game time, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, you know, he... he David Moyes is obviously rabidly loyal to Aaron Creswell. Yeah, unbelievably. Creswell is really good. He's a really good footballer. His legs have gone a bit and he doesn't I've have... I've got to say, I prefer Emerson. I I, I would yeah. be picking Emerson. I can see why Moyes isn't, because I suppose you could say Emerson's like a, a better, less insane version of Masuaku, because his yeah. instincts are very attacking. Yeah. But the thing is, he is better than that. He won the Euros and actually was brilliant throughout the Euros with Italy. Yeah, yeah. He's not a man. He's not like a complete liability, which, let's be honest, Arthur was, right? Yes. And he is like, whenever he's started or even come off the bench, 
for me, he's created something practically every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yes, he has. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. Cresswell used to be a great creator, and he just isn't anymore. And so, you know, he's very reliable in defence, I guess. Although he's very exposed if he comes up, if he gets targeted by an yeah, opposition yeah, manager yeah. of a pacey winger, and then you really need four nows to be an extra left back, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do. And um, and so that's the problem with his legs. But going forward, he used to be in his younger days great on the overlap. He'll never overlap anymore. Um, and then even when he stopped doing that, he could deliver great crosses from a deeper position. He might come up with a couple of assists like that a season still, but it's not yeah. quite enough. And I, I think Emerson is like, every time he's come on, he shows like really great instincts. But again, Moyes is a cautious bloke. He'll think, oh, I don't yeah. like that. He gets forward a bit too much. And I don't think he, but I don't think Moyes has kind of discounted him in the way he did, uh, you know, Alex Kral or, or possibly to a degree Vlasic, because mm. um, he's giving him minutes and playing him in the European games all the time. I think he does kind of like Emerson. He hasn't sort of just discounted him in the way he did those other players. So, you know, it's good that he played. Yeah. Um, uh, Antonio's goal was uh, sort of, I thought, was 100% Antonio. It was like characteristic of an Antonio. It's going to go on his showreel because it had, um, he sort of picks it up and holds it for a while, runs along in it. He also has some defenders bounce off him. And then there's a hilarious mix-up between two dis- yeah. defenders. It's the it's almost the definitive. It's, it's like proper, fan the, fiction of an Antonio goal. I will take that goal and I will lay over the... Yakety sacks. Yeah. Or yeah. if not, um, what's the circus one? Yeah. Very much that. Yeah. If you Google the phrase, what is Michael Antonio, Michael Antonio, that, that clip comes up, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. It was a it was a real pleasure to see that. Um it's sort of um I think, you know, his first goal for us uh, when he got his chance in the team uh, yeah. because Victor Moses got a knock and he sort of came on and had very much the same role as Victor Moses, which was a little bit of a maverick. He was a kind of self-starter and made things for himself, really, uh, yeah. by barreling up the right side of the pitch. And I think his first goal was from a kind of lying down position and sort of went... Yeah, it was, you know, yeah. His shoulder or ch- his... It, I call neck. them... Well, he's come Score trundled goal that, that you yeah, trundle yeah. the ball over the line. Yeah, yeah. But I absolutely love it. And yeah, me too. Wow. After the problems we've had in the forward positions over the last few years, to have your international striker score with such technical brilliance, yeah. followed by your English striker, who we all love, come off the bench and score just the perfect Antonio goal. It was a, both goals were so indicative of the two men, yeah, weren't yeah, they? They symbolised what they both stand for. And it's yeah. really exciting because I think, I hope, and I have confidence that we're going to see that a lot, Skamaka start. Yeah. Um, someone was telling me, actually, at the game that I wondered why. I thought Skamaka was our best player on, on Sunday. I thought he was very not, good. Not just the goal. Yeah. I think he's... There's so much to his game. He's he's got strong Teddy Sheringham vibes. Yeah. The way that he drops deep and yeah. just he doesn't just hold the ball up. He lay uh-huh. he holds it off. He plays it off intelligently, so he can create goals for others. Very much like Teddy Sheringham, because yeah. he also uh-huh. like Sheringham. He can also finish both yeah. with his head and his feet, like Sheringham <laughs> yeah. could. Also, Dean Ashton vibes. Strong Dean Ashton vibes mm. as well. Mm. I always thought Ashton was similar player to 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 Sheringham as well. So he's got all of that, pacier than both of those. 
So I think that's great. But I think, you know, I could really... Uh, apparently, he gets taken off a lot in Italy at around the 70th minute. That yeah. was, so it's not just to do with his uh, maybe his fitness being low. That That is apparently just... He burns himself out in 70 minutes. It's very common yeah. for him to get substituted at that time. But then I think Antonio coming on as defenders start to get tired. Last time, yeah. What an absolute nightmare when you're knackered already. Do you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Well, it was great to see him in a foot race with a little bit of kind of bargy as well as uh, a bit of barging as well as, you know, sprinting. Because we haven't, since he's been declared a number nine we haven't seen him sort of sprint any distance for quite a long time now quite a few years now and i sort of wonder whether he's still capable of that because he he would have these periods when he was injured where he bulked up enormously in the gym and when he came back was actually oddly immobile for a, for a guy that was supposed to be our kind of blistering paced sort of yeah. wide man uh but then you know there'd be periods where he had a more sustained period in the team seemed to kind of slim down quite a lot and was back to that you know when someone that strong is also in a speed trial with a defender you know it's a nightmare there's mm. two ways you're not going to get the ball off him one is too quick and the other is too strong and um it's always sort of felt that the possibility was sort of there for him to you know sort of play and i think they did do that play with skamaka but mm. also if he is a sort of straight swap um you know, you want you want him. A, you want to get him in positions where he runs at them because that's yeah. where stuff happens when he does that. You know, he's yeah. not he's not an absolutely dead eyed marksman. It's not like sort of no. you know David Cross going. If you put the ball in the six yard box, I will just break a break break. What's the expression I'm looking for? Bust a gut to. Uh, yeah. to uh, <laughs> Break my balls. Break my yes. Break, break my, my face. Break I'm my willing colon. to break. I'm I'm yeah. willing to break my own colon to get yeah. that ball get in the back ball. of the net. That's that's what's how, happen. that's how serious I am about yeah. performing for this football team. Yeah, I will. Yeah, <laughs> I will burst my own eyeball to get that ball. <laughs> Um, boss, can you stop David Cross talking yeah. to us before games because it's putting everyone off? Lads, let me tell bit... you one thing, lads. I'm willing to rip my own anus up completely open. Get that ball, yeah. To, to get yeah. that ball, and if that's what it takes, it won't take that, David. Well, it might. And I'm saying that if it does, then you can count on me to be that man who will rip his own anus open. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With his bare hands, if necessary. Don't worry about it, David. I don't think it'll come to that. Um, David, could you... Could you... Just some of the younger players. Could you just not not just just say hello and then just keep walking because you're you're sort of freaking some of the younger players out. It's your. Do you remember um, uh, when Wenger came to Arsenal? Uh, it was a not dissimilar time to uh, Tony Adams starting to go to AA and start mm, to kind of oh, work yeah. on his personality and stuff. Yeah. And I remember Ian Wright on you know like a sort of football preview program saying mm. uh, yeah sort of you know. Um, Arson comes in, gives us a team talk, and it's all very technical. And I don't really understand what he's talking about, but I just sort of nod my head. But now what happens is he gives that team talk, and then Tony comes and gives us a team talk because he's the captain. And I cannot understand a fucking <laughs> word because it's all kind of like yeah, yeah. new age self-awareness yeah, self stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he was just basically going, I don't understand both of our pre-match <laughs> sort of talks. And I just thought that was so funny. Yeah. 
sort of, yeah. a, sort of linked to his teammate Ray Parler sitting down in front of Eileen Drury and asking for a short back and sides. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then subsequently never being picked for England by Glenn Hoddle ever yeah, again. Yeah. God, I've forgotten about Eileen Drury. Oh yeah, God, so, try to never yeah. forget. I, my attitude is never forget. I might just post a picture of her once in a while on Twitter with the hashtag yeah. never forget. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe we should call that. Uh, maybe we should call this podcast that. Just call, it, just call it in memory of Eileen Drury. Drew, uh, Drury madly deeply. <laughs> Drury madly. I mean, what yeah. is Eileen Drury up to now? I would love to know, right? I would love to know what she was up to. And people are, she's now just become this sort of footnote in the history of the England team. But for yeah. me, someone should make a whole Netflix documentary series about Eileen Drury's involvement with England because yeah. it really is that sensational. Like, if you weren't there, you wouldn't believe it. No, you know what no. I mean, like tell kids of today who haven't heard the story, you know that the England manager, as recently as 1998, employed a, a mystic <laughs> to work the coaching with, staff. with our World Cup team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she went to the World Cup. Well, when you say mystic, you're exaggerating for comic code. No, I'm not. Yeah. She was a faith healer. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, uh, yeah. <laughs> Like d- decided which end to play towards based on the tea leaves. Yeah, she literally just held players' heads, <laughs> and we're talking players of the stature of Les Ferdinand. Yeah, right. Yeah, these are Sir Paul Merson, serious professional players with great careers. She'd sit them down the chair, yeah. place her hands on their head, and just try to transmit positive vibes into yeah. them. And you do not hold Les Ferdinand's head. You no. do not hold that man's head. No, not unless you've got, not unless he's fucking giving you a written invitation. Exactly. As, as central defenders the world over have discovered, you do yeah. not hold that man's head. Don't, don't even look at his head. He was good for us, wasn't he? He was, um, he was right at the end of his career, wasn't he? And I think he sort he of was, got, yeah. got injured. I can't remember. It's sort of, is it when we were down 2000? Four two thousand five. Yeah, it was. He, he joined in our relegation season yeah. as yeah. a final hail mary. We went out and we signed. That's right. We signed Boya, Les Ferdinand, and Rufus Brevet. We did, and and that was our sort of hail mary. But it it didn't, didn't it work. didn't quite work because we had so many players out injured. And yeah. I think we'd had Defoe playing up front on his own for most of the season because yeah, yeah, he couldn't no, really right. handle playing up front on his own. So Les Ferdinand came, but he and I actually I I I met I got to know him. I, I worked on a World Cup show with him in right. 2006, and I, he is one of the nicest blokes. Certainly one of the nicest footballers I've oh, ever worked. Oh, he seems with. it. He seems right. a such bloke. a great bloke. Very yeah, intelligent, yeah. right? But I obviously plugged. Him. I worked with him for a whole summer, and I plugged him a lot about what had happened with that relegation season, which you know it was a good three yeah. four years after it. And he told me a few things, but he said, you know, he said, you've got to understand about Paolo. He went, he would just say, I'm not playing today when we were going to an yeah, away yeah. game. Yeah. And he went, and that's really weird. And he goes, it's especially weird when you're the captain of a team that's yeah. in a relegation battle. Yeah. And yeah. he would just be temperamental and say, no, I'm not not getting involved. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I don't, don't pants yet. Fuck off. Do you the know captain- what I mean? The captaincy was taken away from Steve Lomas and given to him, wasn't it? 
Yeah. To remember. And I imagine Lomas was probably a really good captain, you know. Yeah, yeah. A bit of fire and thunder. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great, Soles. Um, it's brilliant. Yes. So uh it's probably... Hands off Leslie's head. That's yeah, an alternative leave. title. Yeah, yeah. Keep yeah. your keep your filthy hands off of Leslie's head, Eileen. Yeah, yeah, that's quite long. A bit title. long for a title. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. a su- subtitle. I don't know. Well, yeah. maybe I'll just put it on a t-shirt. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. If in doubt, stick it on a shirt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got uh, and elect again on Thursday, um, and we've got Southampton on Sunday. I'm going to both of those. Oh, very excited. Very Lucky excited. you. Going what? down to Southampton. I went to that last season. It's a nice ground, actually, St Mary's, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I've been to that quite a few good, times. Good away there. day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you've got, you got to fancy us, haven't you? I hate to say yes. that because it tempts fate, but let's be honest, Southampton are struggling. Yeah. We're on the up. I just hope that Moyes makes sure that the team are 100% up for it and aren't thinking, oh, we're on a run now. Yeah. Oh, me. God, yeah, yeah. Because, of yeah. course, Southampton, I think Southampton beat us twice last year, once in the cup, once in the league. Yes, and we drew did, yeah. nil nil at their place, so we didn't get much out of them. Three games, we got one draw. No, no. And so you know they're not that they're, they're not you know no team in the Premier League. But that manager, I don't mind that manager. I've always thought he seems like quite an interesting bloke. Another yeah, great great member of the Mad Managers Club that we yeah. admire so much. Uh, I think he's all right. He probably will get the sack this season. It might even be after the game against us if we win. Um, good, good, but yeah. you yeah. can't underestimate. He, he kind of outthought Moyes on three occasions last yes, season. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Because so, we 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 had a good. We've sort of got a fairly good recent history against Southampton. I, I seem to yeah. see us, you know, beating them a fair few times. Uh, but we have, um, you know, Ralph Hazel Hootles. Southampton's been a bit of a kind of um, hurdle for us. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. like Ralph Hazel Hootles been a hurdle. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell you've been classically trained. Oh, yes. With that kind yes. of tongue twister. Vocal warm-up. That's yeah. what you do, don't you, before you go out on stage, yeah. you say that exact phrase. Yeah, yeah. In the mirror. Hoodle to hurdle. Yeah. Hoodle to hurdle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That is actually genuinely impressive. Um, yeah, I think that they're a little bit like a kind of a mini Brighton to us. That's how yeah. I saw them last season. It's like they had our number. Yeah. Um, yeah. So on form and certainly on play, we definitely got better players. We can say that now yeah. for sure about many teams we've got the better players we should have the better team we're in better form but yeah i mean you know the, that manager just just like what's his name graham potter yeah kind of seems to have have moise's number so we'll have to yeah. wait and see but i yeah. i feel as if is it prediction time or not or I, I think so yeah it? okay I, so, yeah. I still say two nil west ham two nil i'm gonna go uh and i've uh i've been correct in this uh this prediction before, I think, one season I said it was going to be 3-1 and it was. So I'm going to say okay. that again. I predicted 4-1 for the Fulham game. So I was like, I was Whoa. like, you know, when there were five minutes of extra time, I was like, come I on. fancied it. Yeah. And um, we could have easily got a fourth at that stage because they yeah. were distraught. Yes. Um, yeah. Finally. And, 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 uh, and what about Anderlecht? Well, it was a fantastic position, wasn't it? I mean, that is one thing about Moyes. It's like we've done very well away from home, and especially in these European tournaments, we give them a real sort of, you know, even even if the Frankfurt game, we sort of gave a good account of ourselves in, mm. in that game, I thought. And, um, you know, to come back to the Thunderdome with a 1-0 advantage is really good. And mm. uh, I sort of think 2-1, I think we could win that 2-1. Mm. 
I thought they looked all right, Anderlecht. They're certainly oh, the yeah. best team we've come up against. I think so, too. It was a close game. Without those substitutions, yeah, we wouldn't have we, won it, yeah, that's no, for no, sure. Absolutely. So yeah. I think it will be tough. I think another 1-0 win for us. Right, 1-0, yeah, yeah. Mm. Sounds about right. Well, uh, that's probably it for this week's Stop Hammer Time. Uh, uh, my name has been Phil Whelans, and still is. And with me has been <laughs> Sam Delaney. Thanks for having me, lads. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.